Thank you for tuning in to the Next Gen Leadership Podcast, where we train our minds and bodies every day with intention, purpose, and urgency. Our goal is to provide you with perspective. Today on the show, we interview Jamie Destash. Jamie is a current Hamlin University athletic trainer employed by Twin Cities Orthopedics. She has her Master's of Science in Sports Medicine from the University of Oregon and her athletic training degree from the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. Take a listen as we interview Jamie about her perspective into the athletic training world. Well, Jamie, I appreciate you being on here. And I guess my first question for you today is talking about kind of your current role with uh, where you're at at Hamlin and then how you kind of got there and what experiences you've, you've had in the athletic training world because they're so vast and, you, and you've traveled across the country to do it, things like that. So could you talk a little about your kind of experiences so far up to, up to this point in your career? Yeah, I mean, first off, thanks for having me. Um, happy to be here and just share my knowledge of athletic training and my passion for it. Um, I guess I'll start with my undergrad I got at Stevens Point. And at the time, it was when you could get your undergrad in athletic training and then sit for the board's exam to become certified. So I um, did athletic training at University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, which is smack dab in the middle of the state. Played basketball there, um, finished my degree, and then sat for my board's exam. Um, And instead of going right to work, I decided I wanted to extend my education a little bit longer. So I went and got my master's um, across the country at the University of Oregon, Skoducks. And that was probably the best experience and best decision of my life. And so then I got my master's there. I graduated with um, in human physiology with a concentration in sports medicine. Then I made my way back to the Midwest, um, and that's how I ended up here in Minnesota, where I got a job with Twin Cities Orthopedics, which outreaches to Hamlin University, um, and now I'm working there, well, kind of, despite all this COVID stuff, <laughs> right. um, but I am employed through Hamlin or uh, Twin Cities Orthopedics and work at Hamlin. Very cool. And you, and obviously you're covering a bunch of different teams, right? It's not just the baseball team um, and working with these guys, it's it's a lot of different uh, sports teams in, at Hamlin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially at the D3 level, you unfortunately and fortunately get multiple teams that you have to work with and get to work with. So I have in the fall women's soccer. Um, and then in the winter, I have men's and women's swim and dive and women's basketball. Um, and then in the spring, I have baseball. Perfect. I love I love the kind of when we when we cross learned a little bit, like some of the soccer players would be in there when I was training or getting some treatment and stuff like that. So you would, you'd be doing exercises and things like that. You know, I, I kind of pick up some things here and there, but I think it adds some value too to kind of just learning from different athletes, especially and, and figuring out what works best, especially when it comes to injuries and prevention and things like that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That is one of the reasons I decided to find my way back to division three, just because it is fun to work with more than just one team or one type of injury. Um, so, I mean, at Hamlin, I definitely get my array of injuries and body parts and, um, it's definitely fun to try to tailor it to their sport and their goals, you know, after an injury, before an injury, things like that. Yeah. And I think, 
your your Instagram page if you want to give that plug right now. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing on Instagram right now. Yeah, so um, I started an Instagram page. <laughs> it's called at mindful movement, mindful.mvmt. Um, basically, my goal with it was just to, especially during times like we're in right now, is just to bring to light what athletic training and what the profession of athletic training is more than just taping ankles and giving water <laughs> because mm-hmm. we do, definitely do more than that. Um, but then also just provide little tidbits on how to move mindfully and um, be conscious of our form and just ways that we can improve on ourselves and prevent injury or minimize risk of injuries um, happening. So for the general population, for athletes, for both really. Absolutely. I'll, I'll for sure be putting a link in the description of the podcast so people can follow it and check it out. Um, well, thanks. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, speaking of mindfulness, you know, you and I have had a lot of conversations about the mental side of sports and how we kind of approach that, especially in the game of baseball. Um, being a baseball player, how difficult it is to go through the grind of a season, being injured, being sore, whatever it may be. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing with the mental side of, of sports right now um, in your job and kind of the experiences you've had with your trainings and things like that. Yeah, that's a pretty loaded question, to be <laughs> honest. Um was kind of going to answer your question in two parts yeah. um, because yeah. I think that mental health and then like mindfulness and being aware of the mental capacity of people during rehab and injuries are, are two different things, mm-hmm. um, but they overlap a lot. So from a mental health standpoint, I think in athletic training, um, especially at Hamlin and our head athletic trainer does a really good job of um, pushing this forward, but we've definitely made aware, um, made mental health more aware to the general public, to Mm -hmm. um, athletics, to our coaches, to our athletes, and that it's okay to be dealing with something along those lines. So um, our job has been to recognize those symptoms of mental health, you know, from anxiety to depression to eating disorders and more, um, to being able to refer them to the right places for them to get the help that they need if they need it. And then just kind of act as that liaison where we're able to get them from where they're at in that emergency state of need or if they are just starting to feel some symptoms or anything along those lines be that person that can help them get to the place that they want to be um, from a mental standpoint so um, I think it's really important that we continue to recognize those signs and symptoms and continue to know where what resources we can and need to refer to Mm -hmm. um, because we are not psychiatrists or psychologists but um we definitely have the we are there with the athletes on a day-to-day basis and sometimes it's more comfortable for them to talk to us in regards to that right i know for me especially when we were having conversations it was like all right today feels really good for me physically mentally i'm not all there you know what Mm -hmm. can we do to kind of prep myself to uh just be locked in on that day, you know, not have to worry about too many things. And those conversations with you helped as an athlete kind of get through that day, whatever I was going through, whether it was, you know, something with school, something with personal life. Um, you know, I, I never had to go talk with somebody to a level where I felt that I needed a lot of help. But that little shift in my day kind of came from a conversation with you or somebody who I felt was, uh, you know, a reputable source or, you know, respected source and knows at least something about it. So I really appreciate that from that side of things, especially being an athlete. And I'm sure many athletes have had 
those experiences with you and, and especially Hamlin's athletic training staff as well. So, Well, I'm glad you say that because um, I, I do think that's really important um, to just check in with our athletes other than a physical objective measure, right? So when someone's returning from an injury or coming into practice for some preventative care or what it may be, instead of being like, oh yeah, your range of motion looks really good today or your ankle looks really good today or oh, you have an ankle sprain and I'm that's the only way I'm gonna define you. Mm-hmm. Instead to be, hey, how's it going? How's your day been? How'd that test go that you were kind of stressed about last week? You know, a- ask those kind of personal questions um, it usually makes the athlete feel a little bit more comfortable. And then sometimes it can lead into conversations where you never thought they would go. And that's all they needed for that day. I mean, I'm by no means an expert, but, um, we have been training some tips and tricks to be able to, um, get the athlete to a place where they need to be at certain times throughout an injury or when they just walk into the athletic training room. For sure. Absolutely. Could you, could you touch on your experiences at Oregon a little bit? Is it Oregon or Oregon? What do they say? It's Oregon I in Wisconsin. Oregon. It's Oregon I know, I'm city. From, you know where I'm from. I'm <laughs> 10 minutes away from the Oregon in Wisconsin. So yeah, but it's from. Oregon. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> could you just touch on that a little bit? Cause that experience I think is so unique. Uh, you getting, getting a chance to go out there and experience something a little bit bigger than uh, a Hamlin university for per se and all the experiences. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you might have to cut me off because I love (laughs) (laughs) the University of Oregon. I love my decision to move across the country. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin, went to school in Wisconsin. So it was it was a big uh, jump for me to move all the way across the country away from my family, my friends, my boyfriend at the time. Um, So knowing nobody, that whole aspect was awesome. And I learned so much about myself and grew as a person and as an athletic trainer and then just the experience of being able to learn from some of those professors and um, athletic trainers that work there. I can't say enough good things about them. Mm -hmm. Um, They are great. And I think the biggest thing that I'll learn, I learned, or the biggest thing that I came away from that is that I can do a lot with my two hands. Um, I don't need these fancy bells and whistles, even though Oregon does have them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can do a lot with my two hands to help the athlete or to help the patient that I have. Um, and I don't need those fancy resources. I mean, and I don't know if you want me to say anything else in regards to the university of Oregon itself, but, um, I just, I have so many positive things to say about them. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just your experiences getting out there for a lot of athletes, you know, when you're an athlete, let's say, for example, you know, you're trying to decide in a school, you're trying to figure out where I want to play baseball or, or whatever sport you want to play. You know, how do you take that leap and really go out there and experience it? And I think that's one thing that you did is you didn't really know. I mean, you knew about Oregon, right? And you knew that it's a big school. It's got a lot of those bells and whistles kind of things, but you mm-hmm. didn't know what the culture might've been like there, you know, internally what it's like. So that experience, I think, just kind of gave you so much more that if you're afraid to take that chance or afraid to take that jump, you might not, you know, be in the position in your career that you're at today. You know, it's just it's that experience that I think matters the most. Absolutely. I mean, when you make those types of de- decisions um, for high schoolers going to college or college going to grad school or even just picking your first job, I've learned that a big aspect of what I'm looking for is that culture. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could be in the middle of nowhere. It could be in a great big city. It could be across the country. It could be five minutes from where you grew up. It doesn't really matter the location. It more to me matters the culture that is created there. So 
if you go on an interview and you get a, or on a visit or whatnot and you get a, a vibe that you're just like, this is, this is for me. Like, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to fit here. If you're going to that place and you just know then, and you feel that vibe where like that culture is for you, take that chance because that's going to be more important than the location, awesome. even though the state of Oregon is beautiful. <laughs> so it's a pretty easy choice. <laughs> right. Absolutely. What, uh, what things have you learned? You know, you kind of mentioned it there from adjusting from being an athlete to now being on the sidelines. What does that kind of has looked like for you? Huh? Man, has that been an adjustment? Um, so I, I, I think the biggest thing is just being able to take a step back and look at the big picture. I mean, when I was an athlete, I obviously only cared about like what was in front of me and how I was feeling in that moment and my joys or my frustrations all just like built up in that one moment and I didn't look ahead or behind at my progress or where I had to go. And I think that as an athletic trainer, that's kind of my job for athletes is to, is to help um, them see that big picture and take a step back and look at the progress they've made or look at where they're going to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that like, I mean, I'll use an example, like for me, when I was injured and as an athlete, I'm, I'm worried that I'm not going to get to play the next game. Are you that calming voice or are you the person that has to be very truthful in that situation? Um, I think it depends on the athlete, you know, and on the situation. Some, you kind of got to get to know your um, student athletes because some can take it. Sometimes you needed a little kick in the butt to say, hey, you're going to be fine. You got to get going. And then sometimes you needed a little calming voice that's just going to be like, it's going to be okay. We're just going to take this one day at a time. Look at where we came from. Look at all the things that you could, couldn't could do before and now that you can do. So kind of depends on the situation. Absolutely. No, it makes sense. It's, it's kind of interesting just because I remember going through times where I would struggle with the idea of like not getting to play today. You know, I remember getting my uh, elbow. I couldn't move my elbow because I got hit <laughs> in the elbow and I'm like, all right, well, just take today, like, relax. It's not going to affect your career or anything like that, you know. And it was that call, like, you you and I had a conversation, like, can you do it? No. All right, don't practice today. You know? Yeah. It was as simple as that. Whereas, like, I'm, I only had a certain amount of days left. You know, this is all I have, and I don't want to miss a single day. But Right. Know, I mean, I think yeah. sometimes it's you have to kind of bring that light to say, hey, if you miss five minutes of this warm-up or if you miss five minutes of this practice, it's – it's not going to be the end of the world. We're going to figure it out. We'll make it up in a different way. And sometimes you just build that trust and that relationship with your student athlete where you can just look at each other and know this is not time for you to go or, yeah, this is time for you to go kind of right. thing. Absolutely. Is there something that you wish you would have learned as, a, as an athlete, you know, that you know now after being around the game for so long and being around the athletic training room? Uh, is there anything that you wish you would have done or anything like that? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just to chill. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, you know me, I am a very passionate person. I, mm-hmm. I get excited about things. I, um, you can, I sometimes wear my emotions on my sleeve, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. But I mean, I will be learning that for the rest of my life. But when I was an athlete, I could, you could definitely see the emotions I wore on my sleeve. And so sometimes I wish I could just say, just take a step back, breathe, chill out a little bit everything's going to be okay regardless of the the time you're seeing on the floor or the shot that you just missed or the, you know, the fight that you just had with a teammate kind of thing. Sure. So. Absolutely. Uh, and then is there a way that you've kind of dealt with um, failing 
because I use this example a lot with my athletes that I work with, uh, especially in the game of baseball. You're failing seven times out of ten. We've all heard it as baseball players. But uh, what have you done to kind of deal with failure either in your job or when you were playing sports? What are some things that you kind of did to kind of step back and say, okay, this is how I'm going to deal with it? Yeah, I would say I am very solution-oriented. Um, if I've failed, there is a reason for it in my mind. So how, what can I do to fix it? Like how can, how can I do it again and, but in a different way so that I don't fail again? Um, I don't know if that's the best way of thinking, but sure. I do think that um, a lot of times we just like focus on the mistake or we focus on the failure instead of focusing on like how we fix that failure. And mm. that part of how to fix it is what makes me feel comfortable trying something again. Interesting. I like that take. It's, it's very, not different than what you're used to, but it's, it is, you know, a good way to think about it and going about failing especially. So very cool. Yeah. Um, another question I had for you as far as like, I kind of want to get to this topic of pain versus an actual injury. Um, <laughs> So like for me, when I tore my ACL, that was one of the most painful things I've ever gone through. Heard that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and y- y- you've, you've had that similar injury, correct? Yeah. I tore my ACL too. Yeah. So like to me, that was the most painful thing I've ever had. And so now when I felt sore or, you know, after any of that, it's like, it's soreness, it's not pain. Mm-hmm. Whereas before that, it was like every time I felt sore, I thought I was injured. Uh, could you talk a little about from more of an educational side of things on what that kind of means and, and the difference between soreness and pain? Yeah, I mean, I have this conversation probably daily with people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it, it's hard, though. I mean, everybody has a different level of pain. Everybody's pain means something different to them. Um, so you have somebody, like you said, before you were injured, maybe that was pain and, and maybe that was what you could deal with at the time. But now that you've experienced more pain, you can handle more, you know. So I would say that my rules of thumb for pain versus soreness, what I usually tell my athletes is um, if you have something that's persistent and that is affecting your daily life functions, um, that is pain, Mm -hmm. something that doesn't go away. Now, if you have, sometimes soreness can be perceived as pain, but if it's something that happens after a big workout or something that doesn't last very long or that it's not affecting you sitting down or going to wash your hair, put a coat on or something, then, then I would say, wait that one out a little bit longer. Sure. That makes sense. And, I, and there was days where I came to you and I'm like, Jamie, I don't know if this is right or not. And, uh, I think that's where using your resources helps a little bit too. It's like, okay, you can kind of just tell me it's, it's not going to affect you go out and do it. You know, right. it's just a little bit of soreness where you don't know if you haven't experienced it, right. All the different aches and pains during the day and whatever you have, it's just, it's a question you got to ask sometimes. So yeah, and I think that I mean, as a I'm as an athletic trainer, I will never be mad at somebody who's going to come into me and say, "I'm not sure if this is an injury or if this is pain or if I'm just sore, but can you just check this out?" I, I'll never be mad at that. Um, so yeah, better safe than sorry, sure. I guess. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. Yeah, it's you never know. You're right. You just never really know. So I I like the question of like asking what does success mean to you? Um, but it's so subjective. Do you have an answer to what success kind of means in your mind? I think it's changed over the years and as I've grown up. Um, but I think right now in this moment, success to me, means that I've changed somebody else's life for the better. Um, 
that somebody that I affected in their life got better from it or um, that would probably be the best way that I could measure success. Makes complete sense. That's, I, I always say that too. It's like the idea of being a, um, being a leader and a follower, right? There's those two identities that you might have, but the leader just affects more people than the followers do. You know, they're the people that go about their days and truly want to make an impact on another person's life. So you might not consider yourself a leader and consider yourself <laughs> successful, but at the same time, you're still making a difference in somebody else's lives. And in turn, they choose to follow you and you create some sort of movement. And um, I think that's something that you do, especially with the baseball team, you know, on Instagram, all these guys keep posting, uh, I believe it's like their senior, uh, what is it? What do you call it? It's like senior quotes yeah, or whatever. You know what I mean? Or something. And these yeah. spotlights, every single one of them seem to have your name on it. Right. And so you're considered a leader. I don't know why, Nolan. <laughs> you're, you're very humble. I think, I think you, you know, if you, if you know, Jamie, she does a terrific job at, you know, what you're doing, you're focused on your task. Um, you know, and you just, you always were there for the people when we needed you. And I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that I learned from you is no matter what it came to, um, you'd always be there. You're always there to help. And you were just doing your job, right? You didn't really think too much of it, but <laughs> the impact yeah. you made on these, on, you know, teammates that I had and everything like that is huge. So you're consider I would consider you a leader for sure. And I think that's very cool. Well, thank you. I mean, just like I said, I'm very passionate about what I do and it's fun for me to see guys grow or girls grow in their sport, in their injury and in life. It's, it's fun for me. Awesome. <laughs> Is there, I mean, we have your Instagram out there. Is there anything kind of wrapping things up you want to get out there or talk about or anything like that? I mean, just contact your athletic trainer if you're injured. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, something new that I've been working on with the pitching coach at Hamlin, um, West Germain. Mm -hmm. He and I have been working on creating an objective and data-driven interval throwing program. Um outside of the one that is out there currently using a modus sleeve to gain information on one day workload. And if you guys or anybody that's listening is interested in that, uh, you can go to millcitythrowing.com and read the blog posts on what we're learning and what we're coming up with. It's kind of fun and exciting. Perfect. Could you, do you, could you describe like what a modus sleeve is for listeners? Cause even I don't really have a full general sense of what it means to use all this stuff. Yeah. Um, a modus sleeve is, I mean, a sleeve that you wear on your arm with a sensor. Um, it measures um, a bunch of different things when you're throwing without getting into the weeds of it. As the sensor goes right on your the inside of your elbow as you throw, and every time you throw, it tracks one-day workload, um, stra arm stress based on weight and height. It measures um, acute chronic ratios, chronic workload buildup. I mean, it measures so many different things. Um, external rotation, uh, I could go on. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we use those measures to help develop a um, person that's returning from throw throwing, either from an injury or from like a long period of inactivity, to build up a nice base of chronic workload at a safe rate using um, acute chronic ratios so that we don't spike too much or are under-trained when returning to full season. Awesome. That's something new to me. I mean, all this technology out there nowadays, you could 
get hit tracks and you can track where your baseball goes inside and yeah i mean there's so much, there's so much yeah. data in baseball it's crazy but you try not to get too paralyzed by it by it but also if we have it why not use it right absolutely and the better athletes we create at different universities hopefully that leads to winning games and championships and hopefully you're on the forefront of everything so that's very cool <laughs> yeah awesome well, Jamie, we appreciate your time here today. We finally got it to work. Thank you. Yay. Thank you for all your help and patience with me dealing with all the techno technology issues. So No problem. I appreciate you being on. Um, I will put your information in the description below if people want to reach out. But again, thank you, Jamie, and, you, and your perspective is awesome. We appreciate you being on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me.